Welcome to the Main Side Hustle Podcast with Dre and Alicia. The business and lifestyle podcast for those holding down a nine to five and working that side hustle. If you like what you hear, tap in with us. Subscribe, leave a comment, and give us that five-star rating. This episode, we talked to Sanai Laybourne, professor, podcaster, producer, and content creator. We talk about how to balance multiple ventures and how to draw the line between our personal and professional lives. Welcome to another episode of the Main Side Hustle podcast. I'm your co-host, Dre. And I'm Alicia. All right. So we have yet another wonderful guest for the podcast today, um, we want to welcome Sanai Laybourne. She is a professor. She's a podcast producer, a radio show host, content creator, and it may be some other things that I didn't catch. So this podcast is talk about. Yeah, she has a podcast too, right? Yeah, and also a podcaster. So yeah. always glad to welcome. Thank you, Andre, to welcome a fellow podcaster. Always good to have someone on who has similar interests. And so that's what we're here to talk about, um, main hustles and side hustles. We want to talk about them all. So welcome, tonight. Yes, yes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, such an honor to be here with you all. Um, absolutely am thrilled to chat about the main hustle, the side hustle, the, the hope to be hustles, all, all right. of it. <laughs> Right. All of that for sure. So that love the energy on this a cold Tuesday night, y'all. You can't see us, but it's cold and we were talking about ice coming through tonight. So everybody's prepared and made their Kroger runs, store runs. But except, for, except for you. <laughs> I ain't made no run. Anyway, go ahead. So we want to um jump right in and tell us before we talk about the side hustle. You have to have a main hustle to have a side hustle. So let's talk about what you do and um, what you dedicate um, so much of your professional life to. Yes. So I am an assistant professor of sociology at the University of Memphis um, in my third year as a professor here. And so a lot of my time is, as you might imagine, teaching. Um, I teach classes. Right now I'm teaching a couple of courses on racial and ethnic minorities, or that's the name of the course. Uh, But the course is about race, racism, uh, racial inequality, uh, broadly speaking. So very relevant as always, but increasingly relevant now um, and students are really excited to learn because they're actually able to apply you know what they're learning in real time unfortunately Um, but for the students I think it's great because they're really for a lot of them for the first time getting a language to talk about everything that's happening in our country and then also around the world as well Um, and then as part of my job as a professor I do research and that's a big part of the job so doing my own research projects writing, um, getting articles published in journals, but also in more popular mainstream media, um, and then also working on a book. So that is the main hustle. <laughs> that is a huge... She got like four or five other things. <laughs> right, right. So obviously we'll be talking about time management as well. Um, definitely want to know how you juggle all of those things. So that's a huge job. Um, big academia, uh, demia, uh, energy and vibes. Um, there was something I tested my hand and I was like, nah, I don't know. I love the kids, but, um, 
I don't know if I want to be doing all of that. But did you um, did you always want to be in higher um, education or was what was your pathway to that? Yeah, so I was one of those people that I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up and probably still don't. Well, I think I'm coming into more of an idea now. But all that to say, when I went to undergrad, which I got my undergrad degree from the University of Memphis as well, but I just kind of took classes that sounded interesting to me, which meant I just had a lot of classes all over the place, thought about, you know, different majors. I did think about like majoring in education, like K through 12 education. So I was an ed major for a semester. Uh, But at the end of the day, you know, you got to graduate at some point. And (laughs) scholarship money was like, you got to graduate in the next year. (laughs) So so I, you know, really, I had a conversation with my advisor. I was like, look, I have a year left on this scholarship. What, What degree can I get? And she was like, well, you just need one more class in sociology and you'll have a social degree. And I was like, well, that's what we're going to get then. Uh, I don't don't have any extra money to like figure something else out. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I felt a little envious, I think, of friends of mine who were like, they knew they wanted to be nurses. And so like they started, you know, like their very first semester freshman year on that, you know, pre-med nursing track. That wasn't me. I realized I love sociology in particular because it helps us make sense of the world and so much about the world is confusing and <laughs> it was just a way to like make sense of everything that I had ever you know really had questions about and I love to share what I learned with other people just in general if it's something that I find out like you're gonna know about it <laughs> and so I was like this seems like a kind of natural fit again I didn't really know what I wanted to do so I was like I guess I'll go do that like I guess I'll go get a P- I guess I'll just go get a PhD uh, <laughs> right like I'll just I'll just do that uh, and so I applied to you know grad school I didn't get accepted and so then I had to get a real job and not not. so there was a big gap between like undergrad and then getting back in school and getting a PhD and then you know where I am now what was that real job what was that uh well unluckily luckily for me um Hurricane Katrina hit so this was 2005 that I graduated undergrad had put applications in just everywhere I knew I liked working with young people so I put applications in at all these different places no one was hiring, right? That's like the story of every like new graduate. Right. Um, but my application was on file with this community services agency that gets like government contracts. And so they had gotten a contract to help uh, evacuees from New Orleans, but also then like Texas, right? Hurricane Rita, all that that was happening in 2005. And they need to hire people quickly to, you know, execute this grant or this I guess it's great. I don't know, whatever. And my application was on file. So they're like, hey, we're hiring for this job. It's not, you know, working with kids. And I'm like, it's a job. I'm coming in. Like, <laughs> let's do this interview, the test, whatever it is. I need a job. Y'all paying? Y'all paying? Okay. Good. <laughs> exactly. Didn't even know what the pay was, but I was like, it's a job and I, I got to get some money. Yeah. Right. We'll figure that out later. So, Let's fast forward to, so we already just kind of go through what the other things that you do outside of the teaching. 
Yes. So outside of the teaching, outside of the research, outside of the university job, Mm -hmm. I'm also a producer for the Verbally Effective podcast with Ina Esco, a nationally recognized podcast. Yes, congratulations Um, on that. Yes, Memphis-based podcast that um, really intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment, and interviewing folks who are really at the forefront of kind of like bringing Memphis forward, pushing Memphis forward. Um, So I do all the behind the scenes work with that podcast. Um, I also am a clarity coach with Friends & Co. And so that's business coaching, um, a lot of time management. You spoke about that earlier. So a lot of time management, a lot of mindset, um, a lot of planning. Um, I'm also, I have my own podcast. I love Mondays with Sanaa. And so that is personal development tips, goal setting strategies, and a little bit of positivity. And then my boyfriend and I have a podcast. Um, I call it the Ratchet podcast. Relationship Podcast. <laughs> uh, but it's Which Cup is Mine podcast. Podcast. We actually just wrapped our third season this week. And so we're um, almost actually at a whole year of episodes. Our seasons just happen to be extremely long. <laughs> um, and so I also do that. And then I do a lot of workshops around goal setting and time management underneath that I Love Mondays podcast. Wow. All right. I figured it out. So I figured something out. All right. So now you got you you have to have maybe two or three clones to uh some to do kind of way. This is this is crazy. And shout out to Ina. We actually talked to Ina. Yes, yes, we've been a guest. Twenty eight. So episode twenty eight. So if you hadn't heard that, whoever's listening, go check that out. But um, this is crazy that you got all these podcasts, radio show. Um, the radio show. I didn't even say that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, workshops. You're producing a podcast, and then you got a, like a nine to five job. I, I, I'm. We I, want to know the secret. How I'm in the world? Us, yeah, I'm waiting for you to tell us how you keep all this straight. How you got your schedule? I'm sure it's jam packed. Like, what do you use to schedule your day? Um, you got to help us out because <laughs> I know some people listening wondering the same thing I am. Like, how in the hell? Can I get all this stuff done in one day? (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. And I did forget, I do have a radio show on WYXR 91.7 FM, WYXR.org as well. And so every Saturday morning, I talk to different experts from around the country who are investigating our most pressing social issues and those common curiosities that we all share about the world around us. So yes, the radio show. See, so much that I even, you know, forgot. Yeah, yeah, you even Let's grab coffee. Yes, let's grab coffee. That's the name of the show. Yes. But to your question about like, how do I balance it all and manage it all? Definitely. I live by the calendar and people joke with me all the time, but I'm like, let me check my calendar first before I make any commitments. Um, So I use Google Cal because I like to have it on my phone. So if I am just having a conversation with someone, I always have that with me. So I put everything in the calendar, but I also, I'm kind of old school in that I like a, you know, paper calendar hand in my hand 
pen, pencil, you know, folks love to do all the um, stickers and, you know, different color pins. That's me. <laughs> so I have a planner as well. So I plan out, you know, my week and I can see all those, you know, fine details. But then I have the Google Cal so I can kind of see that big picture. Okay, cool. And, and I, I mean, I, I would have thought, to be honest with you, just from talking to you for, for these few minutes, I would have thought you majored in like communications or something. Thank because, you. Um, you, you, see, you have a lot of energy. Um, you seem to communicate really well. I mean, obviously you're doing a lot of things in media with podcasts, radio shows and things like that. I would have thought you were doing uh, something, you know, majoring in something in communications. Um, yeah. You, you when you talk to me, like I don't have, like I don't have all the, the energy that you have when you talk. Um, so that's just the fact you measure is um, sociology, is it? I was about well, to say psychology. <laughs> it is sociology, but you know, I think it really stems from high school and shout out to my high school, Raleigh Egypt High School here in Memphis, Tennessee, mm -hmm. uh, because we had, you know, Raleigh Egypt television and we were one of the few high schools in Memphis that had our own like television show, you know, within our school, right? And so we learned like how to create and package you know a, a show right uh, we had the set we had the cameras you know the audio you know uh doing b-roll you know going to all the different functions and shooting video there so that was like part of it and everybody you know learned those different roles including being in front of the camera so I think that's part of it and then I was a part of the teen appeal, um, the journalism, the high school, uh, the Memphis citywide high school newspaper. So then we also got training in journalism. So I did that. I was a member of Business Professionals of America when I was in high school and I competed on the ex uh, extemporaneous speaking, both the individual event and then like the small business um, event. And so it was really all of those trainings, you know, just things to do when I was in high school that really have just stayed with me. Mm -hmm. And so with that, I'm just thinking about, so what's unique um, is all of these things that you do outside of your full-time, they are kind of in the same family, same industry. Yes. So to Andre's point, you know, communications and all of that stuff. And I'm just thinking about um, sometimes how you, you would hear like, you know, when are you gonna know exactly what you wanna do, you know? And sometimes I think there's this perception that you can't, you know, you can't be in, have your hands in all of these different things because the saying is, what is that? Um, Jack of all trades, master of none, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't know that that's necessarily true. So kind of talk about um, just in your experience, having all of these different buckets of things to do. Have you had people to mm -hmm. tell you like, okay, like when you're gonna get focused on just this thing or you're doing this thing over here have you had people um, have those conversations with you? I've definitely had someone tell me that exact thing, right? Jack of all trades, master of none. Like you don't want to be the, you know, the jack of all trades. Actually, the first time anyone ever told me that was in high school. Like I'm even like flashing back to remembering like when a teacher told me that. But I think, you know, 
we have to learn and explore and figure out what it is that we are interested in, that we might have a talent for before we can become a master of anything, right? I mean, surely we could just decide like, okay, this is the thing I'm going to do and then just go pursue it, right? There's nothing wrong with that. I think some people do that. Um, but then often I think those same people later in life start to branch out and kind of, you know, try different things. Um, I think we are all very multifaceted. We have multiple interests. And so we're not like single people, you know what I mean? Like just like one solitary thing. Um, maybe some people are, but I would say even still people have hobbies, right? Like it might not be a money-making thing, but you still have multiple interests. Um, and then I also think it comes down to perspective. Like I do a lot of different things, but to both of your points, like, are they really that different? So I think it depends on how wide you want to cast that net, because for me, they all are very much interconnected and supportive of one another. So it's not like I'm doing five or six separate, completely different things that require a completely different skill set and mindset and, you know, all that. Um, so I think it depends on how wide you want to cast that net also. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good point. That's a good point. And I want to I want to dig a little bit deeper into your podcasting bag. So you you, you host podcasts and you produce them. Mm -hmm. So talk to us about producing a podcast. And I got I'm asking this. I, yeah, obviously I want to know. And Alicia, obviously for know, selfish reasons, <laughs> I got some selfish reasons because me and Alicia have been thinking about look, we might need to get a producer because mm. we we running out of time in a day to do all this stuff. So so talk to us a little bit about um, what you're doing when you're producing a podcast uh, for Verbally Effective. What, what are some of the things that you're, do, that you're doing uh, when, you, when you're taking on that role? Yeah, well, first, big shout outs to Ina for bringing me on as her producer. I know it's difficult, especially when it's like, this is your baby, like, this is your dream, this is your vision, and it's hard to, like, bring people into that vision, right? So, really, I think it's a testament to her for being so willing to share her vision and bring people on board on her team, right, to make Verbally Effective continue to grow um, and to make it even better and, you know, all of that. So, I think that, you know, a big testament to Ina. Um, and as a producer, you know, I help find guests, right, and pitch different guests to her. I do a lot of the uh, background work on learning more, like some research on these guests <laughs> um, so that we can really get, you know, the heart of Verbally Effective is having people be transparent about their journeys and also creating a conversation where people feel comfortable being vulnerable and honest and, you know, sharing that transparency. So today, do that right there's a couple things there's Ina and her great personality and her ability to build rapport with people quickly but then there's also the work I do behind the scenes to kind of find out enough about these folks so we're not asking those same kind of standard questions that maybe other interviewers had asked and so we can get a little bit deeper and try to get you know <laughs> some of that information that maybe they just wouldn't share if they were simply talking about you know the the, the journey in their career or you know, something like that. So I do all that background work, you know, emails, you know, coordinating guests. Um, I also do the, uh, the visuals. So of course we, just like y'all, we promote the episodes on social media. So doing all those images, 
as well and then freshening up our our images our look right from time to time um so i do that and then together um, we also are always looking for partnerships and sponsorships and you know different ways to be involved in the community and so we both um look out for opportunities and pitch ourselves to other you know places and spaces as well awesome and if you would um listeners who um listened to last season and heard ina of course, she talked about, um, which was kind of ruined by the pandemic, but it was still an honor nonetheless. So just um, shout your own self out for <laughs> and, and share um, that big celebration and um, accomplishment for the podcast. Yes. So, yes. Yeah, so part of our goal um, for last year was to get verbally effective on the national stage. And part of that included us applying to South by Southwest and you know, we had gotten accepted. We we're going to present on the podcast stage. We were so excited, y'all. And literally the weekend that we were supposed to be going to Austin was when everything shut down. And I, I remember I us that. having that conversation because, you know, it was starting to circulate like, oh, there's this virus, you know, all this. And we were like, if they're still having side by side, we're still going. Hey, we were. And we I think were it's canceled this really year, ain't it? Yeah, they moved it to a fully online format for this year. Um, you know, signs of our times. Yeah. Well, whenever they go back live, y'all, you, you'll be there. Don't oh, worry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And so, so your, the things that you do as, well, what, do you consider them side hustles or do you? You know, are these things, you know, things that you're hoping to grow or do you always see yourself being in higher education, doing some things kind of what are your plans for all of the things that you're doing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny because I don't I don't even think about them like their side hustles. I just think about them as like, this is just what I do. I don't know. Like that's just like in my mind, but I can't explain it because when people talk about like side hustles, to me, it makes it sound like, I think it takes a little bit away from the work that we're all doing. Like, yeah, it's our side hustle, but we put a lot of work into these other ventures and it's not just a, it's not just something on the side. Right. And so maybe that's why I kind of think about it or don't think about it in that way. Uh, but I love working in higher ed. I especially love the University of Memphis and my colleagues there because I have all this flexibility, right? Mm -hmm. And great leadership that is not micromanaging me, right? That might yeah. make it more difficult to do a lot of these things. Uh, so with that said, I will definitely keep this main job for as long as this main job wants to be kept. <laughs> I, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you, you know, if they were supportive of all the other things that you got going, um, because, I mean, it's a lot, and so I'm, I'm sure some of your colleagues or, or even some, maybe some of your students, like hear your radio show or, or listen to the podcast or something like that, just to see whether or not they're supportive of you, you know, doing all these other things. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like they are, you know, they give you the kind of flexibility um, and the leeway to do what you do. Um, that, that just is, that's kind of, that's an interesting dynamic because I know every, every employer, um, you know, every company is not supportive. I've heard some, some horror stories about people doing things on the side and their employer finding out and, and sometimes having to leave their job or, or getting terminated or kind of giving an ultimatum, hey, you either stop doing this or you, or you got to go, that type of thing. So 
So it's great that they're supportive of what you do. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if supportive is the correct word because that <laughs> indicates tolerant. knowing. They're tolerant. Knowing. So, I mean, so I don't know if I want to say supportive, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I will just say I do have the flexibility within my job that provides me, you know, the space to do all these other things. And I think, you know, it's always a risk because you know, so much now there's some, our lives are so public that there's sometimes no separation between who we are as people and who we are as employees for institution upholding their values, their mission, you know, all of that. So I think that's where it can get blurry because institutions of course are there to uphold and replicate themselves. And so as an employee, of course, if you're not doing that or, or you're perceived to be casting them in a negative light, then that's where that conflict arises. Uh, I think the other point is for my job, of course, there's certain metrics that we need to meet, certain ways that we're evaluated, you know, as long as I'm meeting those standards, right, then it's kind of like, why what are you, say? right, exactly, I agree, but I agree with that, but all employers don't, like, right. they don't care, you know, you could be performing, you know, just as well as anybody else, and they find out you got these other things going on. It's like, well, we must not be giving you enough work if you can do all this stuff too. So. Yeah, you have time to do these things. So kind of talk about moving that conversation forward, considering much of what, some of what you do outside of the university is pretty public. How have you been able to keep that line drawn or, or have you? Some of it is just the way it is today, but some people are a bit more, they prefer to have those very clean lines drawn between professional, you know, what I do in a full-time job and everything else that I may do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot of overlap with what I do. So especially I think with um, like the radio show, there's a lot of overlap with that and like what I do at the university setting. Right. And that's probably um, the biggest overlap. Um, with other things, I don't think they're in conflict. So like the I Love Mondays podcast, goal setting, personal development, you know, that's not really in conflict with anything that I do. And one could argue that what I talk about on there are the things that allow me right back to that time management piece are allow me to, you know, do everything um, and do it without feeling stressed or, you know, all that. I think the only thing that I keep somewhat separate is uh, the podcast I have with my boyfriend, Which Cup is Mine? Because if you've ever listened to an episode, we talk about any and everything. Yeah. And it's it's just all out there. It is not PG-13. It is <laughs> explicit. <laughs> and so that's the only thing that I really keep very separate. So even if you kind of follow me on socials, I like never or very rarely kind of pub that. I've never um, heard of it. See, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm about to listen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, we, it, it's a, like I said, I call it the Ratchet Relationship yeah. Podcast because we just keep it really raw and honest. And I think people who listen to it are probably surprised. Like, you talk about that in front of your boyfriend or you talk about that in front of your girlfriend. Um, and so I definitely keep that off my Twitter, which I think is where all my like colleagues are versus my Instagram, where I think it's more like my peers, right? And then I don't post it at all on Facebook because you know, Facebook is where your family is. And so- You can't have grandma here and there. Yeah, yeah. You know, grandma. Yeah. 
<laughs> and you know, I think it's an art, you know, so there was a time when I was writing and this was, I mean, this was when Instagram, I won't say first came out, but I always like to say, it's probably not true that I was one of the early adopters of Instagram. Like when they only had like three filters and nobody was really on there when it was actually for photography, but yeah. I started a writing page and sometimes it can get, you know, you feel like there are two personas. There's work, public, whatever, family, you, and then there's you still mm -hmm. same person, but this other thing that I'm doing. And so I'm always interested to see how people are kind of juggling that on more so on social media. I'm not saying, mm -hmm. you know, that the way you act over here is not the way you act over there, but these platforms and who tend to congregate on those is completely different. Yes. Yes. I mean, I did recently block my direct supervisor, the chair of our department. <laughs> yes, I did. I blocked her on Twitter because I was like, I feel like now I feel like you watching me, you know, <laughs> it's like, I feel like you watching me. And if, uh, you know, you've seen some of my tweets recently, I've been very upset about, we have our annual evaluations that are due uh, at the university. And I've been very upset about those annual evaluations. And I have voiced my complaint on Twitter, as you do. And so <laughs> I was like, you know what? My boss basically does not need to read my complaints. Yeah. Just read the nice eval that I submitted, but yeah. not the, the commentary around it. Uh, nah, you probably did the right thing. Yeah. yeah, there are many times I'll type something out and I'm like, just don't even, don't even press post or post right. and delete because it's, you know. <laughs> I have to get my little piece of paper, my little journal and write, write it down. But we have yeah. kind of become conditioned to, I don't think it's a bad thing to share out. Um, mm -hmm. But sometimes, yeah, they lurking. They may oh, yeah. be on there, but they're on there. Oh, yeah. So look, so now I got a, I got a quick question. So out of all the things you're doing, which one or which couple are more, I guess, helping you more financially, which one of the, which ones are the most financially beneficial for you? Yeah. Um, so out of the, the nine main hustle <laughs> things, um, I love Mondays is, um, and that's really where I see myself kind of, Alicia, to your question earlier about where I see myself kind of maybe growing or expanding, um, definitely within the I Love Mondays podcast. Um, because as I said, like I do workshops associated with, again, time management, goal setting, you know, personal development. Um, I have an Etsy shop where I have workbooks and different worksheets around, you know, that same thing. And then I have other plans um, for other, you know, products and services down the down the line. Um, but for me, the I Love Mondays kind of brand and that whole kind of movement is where I see myself growing over the next few years. So then you're gonna have the I Love Mondays uh, TV show. Yes. You know, you're gonna have us on, just have us on, because we said it first. Yes, so yes. Have us on as guests. You know, we'll, we'll come in and represent Memphis for you. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, y'all heard it here first. And when we're doing that retrospective of like, when, you know, when did you know or when were you thinking about expanding? We'll be like, we can run the tape back. Giving you exclusives. And then <laughs> um, 
I'm sorry, Andre, did you have another question? No, nah, that was good. That was good. That's good. What would you say to a person who is just really trying to figure it out? You know, there are some people just in your full-time job, they like really know what they want to do. They know this is something that they would like to be something that can generate income for them full-time. And then there are folks that are like, they're feeling like, I know it's something I could be doing. I'm just not sure what it is, or I may have tried something and it didn't work as well. So do you have like a kind of two or three step process on how to at least start to figure those things out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say if you've already found things that you don't like, you're already a step ahead, right? Because sometimes it is, a, it's, a, it's just as important to know what you don't like as it is to know what you do like, or what you might like. Um, so I think the first thing is consider those things that you like, that you enjoy doing, right? And those might give you hints at what that something may be, right? It might not be a one-to-one, but it can give you, start get, putting you in a direction, right? Of things that you might like to try or that might be new opportunities for you. And then I would say, say yes. Practice saying yes to opportunities that you get. Um, I know it's a big thing now of like people who are like, I need to be paid for everything I do. Like no free yeah. labor. And there is a time and place for that. Like there, you know, definitely don't get exploited. That's number one, right? Definitely don't get exploited. But if you're trying to figure out what it is that you might like, sometimes those free opportunities or unpaid opportunities are a gift to you to see if like, if this is something I'm interested in, or even for you to learn a skill that you don't have yet or that you're still trying to cultivate. So Mm -hmm. I think saying yes is really important. As well, saying yes is important, and and that could be your that could be what we call your proof of concept. I mean, a lot of past guests that we've had, they talk a lot about that. You know, you don't really get a lot of support that you would like to get until you have that proof of concept. And sometimes that might be mean doing some free work here or there. You know, Um, you want to produce a podcast, okay? If you don't have any experience producing a podcast and you want to do it. You may have to offer up, hey, Dre and Alicia, can I can I help y'all out doing a couple of episodes? Mm-hmm. And in turn, you can go to others and say, hey, I have producing experience now. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you gotta you gotta think of it in that way. It's not necessarily, yeah, you're not getting paid monetarily, but yeah. you're getting the experience. So mm-hmm. so yeah, I don't always agree with the I ain't doing nothing for free. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Some if of that you, is- if you got 20 years of experience and, and you're a subject matter expert, that makes sense. But if you just starting out, I ain't doing nothing free. Okay, don't nobody know what you do. So <laughs> it's just so crazy that this, you know, and I'm not sure when they're turning. I'm all about being paid for what you do, but I have worked, not worked a full job, but I've done things for free. I've done stories for like $25, you know, but when you're trying to get there, if it's something you really want to do, you actually will say yes. And it's not necessarily exploited, but I, I love that point. Like don't be exploited, but really take your time and really think about the benefits on the back end instead of, oh, you're not paying. I'm not worried about it. You know, cause some of this stuff is just getting out of hand. Like people want to be paid to breathe. <laughs> yes. But I think it's what um, Andre said about like, 
figure out how you want to be paid. Like we always talk about like securing the bag. The bag might not be dollars, right? It might be connections. It yeah. might be a skill set. It might be, you know, something else. It might, you know, again, it might be you built up a portfolio, right? You can say I have producer credits or I have this byline or whatever it is. So now you That's get a bag. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, did get paid. Absolutely. Absolutely. A relationship. You said it. Yeah. A good friend of mine called me the other day and uh he's a he's a real estate investor. You know, I am too. And we talk all the time about stuff and he was like, Dre, you know, I got this deal. I can't really buy it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call this other guy and I'm going to just give him the deal pretty much. Mm-hmm. He may give me a little something, but maybe not. And I told him, I said, but you know, that relationship you build with him is going to be worth a lot more than, you know, a couple thousand dollars. I mean, mm-hmm. exactly. it could potentially be, be, be worth way more than that. So, so yeah, absolutely. You got to think it through for sure. Yeah. That's the gym. The bag isn't always monetary, and that's the truth. Mm-hmm. There you go. So that's some that's something to think about. We gonna put that on a little meme, y'all. But um, <laughs> we gonna put it on. Yeah, we gonna do it. We'll put your face on some. <laughs> yes, the total total inspiration from you. Um. So, do you have another question, Andre? Because we can move to. No, I wanna I wanna do main things with 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 some. Moving into main things. I wanna do main things. So we got a little, you know. It's not really a rapid fire question, but it's a few quick questions we ask guests. Um, you know, first thing come to mind, you know, just shoot. All right. All right. <laughs> it, it, it won't it won't be like you and your boyfriend's podcast. We won't ask nothing like that. Yeah, we're gonna... so don't worry about it. PG-13. Easy, easy. All right. So give us um a favorite song or artist on your playlist. You went to Riley Egypt, so I know you got some stuff. <laughs> favorite song you know right now my favorite song is everywhere um uh, by chloe and hey hallie yes i always want to mispronounce her name uh but i love that song because i feel like that is that's that that's the energy that i'm bringing for the rest of the year um so for folks who haven't heard the song you need to go listen to it but to me that's like the abundance manifesto and so mm-hmm. like i listen to that song every day because I'm like, this is the abundant mindset I need to get myself into. This is the abundance I'm welcoming into my life and that I'm also giving out to others. So that's that's definitely on the playlist right now. Love that. Love that. And I love those girls. Young ladies, they are grown women. <laughs> Not girls anymore, clearly. Um, so my question is, what is your favorite or a book that you're reading right now, or it could be any type of periodical, magazine, or article you saw that jumped out? Yeah, so actually I just uh, finished reading um, this book by Brian Foster and it's called, I Don't Like the Blues, um, Race, Place, and the Backbeat of Black Life. And I absolutely love this book. Um, it's so beautifully written. It tells it's a story about blues, about Clarksdale, Mississippi, mm. um, about the people there. But it's just so beautifully written. Um, it's nonfiction, uh, but it's just it's just such a great read. But you also learn something, and that's what I like to read. Something where it's a good read, uh, but I also learn something. Okay. This is another quick question that really doesn't have anything to do with main things. Since we're talking about books, um, handheld, open, closed books, or audio? 
No, you know, I need that book in my hand. I need to flip some pages. I need to write in the margins. I need to argue with the yeah, book. You them. <laughs> when you get in the margins, you're a serious reader. Yes, yes. I think, yeah. Argue with the book because a book is a conversation. Like the author wrote it, but it's still, it wrote it for people to read. And like you read it and you have questions and you disagree and you love something. So yes, I all of that. I'm highlighting, I'm circling, I'm writing what I think, all of that. Love it. Educator at heart. It's just like listening to a song and it's somebody, the, one of the lyrics, like you feel it like so yeah. much. Mm -hmm. that, um, their reaction to it. Okay, cool, Andre. I got, I got another one. All right. Favorite podcast. <laughs> Favorite podcast. Not, not ours and not <laughs> any of your 10. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So I have a, a couple and I, and I want to say like, I listen to up first the NPR podcast so that I get that, you know, bit of news. I listen to that every day, but I also really like Brene Brown's Dare mm -hmm. to Lead. Yeah, I yes. love I love her. Um, folks know her from her, you know, TED talk about vulnerability and and which is you know so impactful. But her podcast is so great. Yeah, what's her name again? Brene Brown, mm -hmm. like Renee will be Brown. Yeah, mm -hmm. big Renee Brown fan. So I have one last one. I'm going to add on. What's your favorite Memphis food spot? Oh, my favorite Memphis food spot. This is such a hard question. I know. <laughs> but I'm going to go with my favorite Memphis food spot is Mosa Asian Bistro. I talk about it all the time on my Instagram. And it's because the food is always absolutely amazing, right? The quality is the same. All their ingredients are fresh. They make all their sauces in-house fresh every day. Um, they have a panang curry that like, I just want to bathe in because <laughs> it's so luxurious. <laughs> and so I just absolutely, I absolutely love, 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 love their food. Yes, they are. They are absolutely awesome. And one last thing. So we talked about this pre-recording. So tell it, tell everyone about, um, I think this is so empowering uh, for you to do. And if you have ever much background you want to share about that, um, feel free to do so. But you changed your name. Mm -hmm. was, what about a year or two ago? Uh, yeah, that was in December of 2018. So okay. yeah, just over yeah. two I years I guess ago. I'm still stuck in 2020. I don't know why. <laughs> Tell us about that. Tell us for those who, who may have known you or even just seen you, your mm -hmm. name prior to that. And then what was behind the name change? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, because a lot of folks, especially for your Memphis listeners, uh, may know me by a previous name, Wendy, which it even feels so weird for me to say that like right now, because I'm like, I don't even know this person. Um, so um, I was adopted um, as an infant from Korea. And so I had a name as people do, you know, when they're ushered into this world. And so that name was the name that I reclaimed, Sanaa. And I, you know, knew that that was my name. My parents, you know, were very upfront about the fact that I was adopted. And like, I, you know, I knew at some young age that I had, a, you know, a birth name and all that information. But I think for me, you know, growing up, like, 
that name really had no meaning for me, right? So just thinking about that process of me coming into a, a more comfort with myself as an Asian American woman, just being more comfortable with all the facets of who I am and showing up as fully me all the time. So kind of to your point earlier, like, yes, indeed, we all have different roles for the different jobs or relationships, you know, kind of that we have. People know us a little bit in different ways. Um, But for me, for a lot of my life, I felt like very fractured into these different roles or identities as a a daughter or family member or friend or in the community, you know, whatever, all the different ways that people know us. I felt very fractured, like I couldn't um, fully be myself. Um, that I think it was really not I think but it was really a lot of shame around like not knowing you know my birth family and you know there's so much emphasis on like birth mothers and like moms you know love their children and so that if your mom didn't raise you like something is wrong with you you know just all these different kind of stories um, that we think about um, people who are adopted or abandoned or, you know, whatever the language you want to use about that. So I feel like I had, a, I, I did have a lot of shame, you know, around that. And then I also think for me growing up in Memphis, a very black and white city, um, mm-hmm. it was also difficult to make an identity, you know, a group based identity when it's like, but where's my group? <laughs> right? <laughs> like being Asian, being Asian American is a group experience, but how can I access this group experience on my own. And so that was part of it. So when I got my PhD, um, I was at the University of Maryland. So in the DC, Maryland, Virginia area, really huge Asian American population um, and very just racially and ethnically diverse in general. And so I was able to actually like learn more about what it means to be Asian American with other Asian Americans in an area that's like, there's a lot of Asian Americans, right? Um, So I think all of that really led to me being like more comfortable with myself, more confident in myself, and also then like finding more meaning into Sana, right, and less meaning into Wendy, which I'm like, that really doesn't capture who I am anymore. Um, And I just think it's really interesting, you know, names have such power and like the name Wendy literally means wanderer. And I feel like that name marked me in many ways to like go on this journey. Um, And when that name served its purpose, then I was able to reclaim, you know, who I've always really been at my core. Mm, I love that. I love that. Well, I think that is awesome. Um, I, I'm sure that you've been an example for many who may need to do some uh, reclaiming of their own. So I think that's awesome. Do you think that that has helped you to even focus more the, the things that you're doing because you're really, you found this, you know, your truer self? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because, you know, I, it was just a point where it's like, I am no longer going to hide or tend to hide which I think is key because a lot of times the things we think we're hiding, everybody else already knows, (laughs) right? Or everybody already sees in you or about you, whether good or bad, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But it was just a decision of like, I'm not going to hide or play small for myself, let alone for other people anymore. And I think that's a real freedom when you can say like, I'm going to show up in this world fully me all the time. And that 
to, gives you, you know, the ability to try new things, right? <laughs> to chart your own path. Um, and I think that's really important. That is fantastic. Absolutely. I think that, man, we can probably end it with that. That's just some, you know, I mean, that's just great general advice to anybody, you know, showing up and being, being your full self and, you know, really living and not existing. So, I could not. Yeah, I mean, that was awesome. Um, definitely, if there's something else you want to share, feel free. But I, I mean, I, I agree with Andre. I think that is a Wait. wonderful, biggest tip you can give anybody. I mean, you definitely got to let everybody know where to find you. Podcast one, two, three. <laughs> Radio show. You gotta let us know. You gotta let everybody know. I'm just playing, but yeah, absolutely. So on Instagram and Twitter, I'm at Sana Marie only. So S-U-N-A-H Marie only. Um, and then my website is Sana M Layborn, L-A-Y-B-O-U-R-N.com. And that has all of my information available. And that would probably be the so, um, but yes, I would love for people to be in contact. Well, wonderful. We have enjoyed having you. We have learned a lot and super inspired. And we will see you guys next week for the next episode. Make sure you subscribe to the pod on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on social media at Main Side Hustle. Thanks for listening, man.